All right. Take your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 9 if you've got them. Luke chapter 9. And uh, if you don't have them, we'll put it on the screen for you. Luke chapter 9, verse, uh, verse 23. And uh, it's a passage that you'll probably be fairly familiar with. And uh, I don't remember how old. Does anybody, here, anybody remember how old you were when you, when you the first kind of thought of, hey, maybe school isn't as fun as it used to be. Maybe I don't want to go to school today. Does anybody remember how old you were that first kind of, what'd you say? What'd you say? Russell, how old? Fifth grade. All right, so fifth grade. Who else? Yeah. When you started, you don't think there's ever a time when you liked it? Most little kids, they kind of like it, but you know. Uh, but after that, I mean, you, after that, you kind of got into it, right? For a little bit? There's a time? Yeah, Caleb. Four and a half or five. All right, I don't know if you really remember that or not. But um, so, so Braden, uh, my son Braden is three, and, um, and I think he enjoys school okay. There's a little girl named Becca that he hit the other day, and he also threw, uh, threw food at her in the lunchroom, and so we had to correct that. Um, problem, but a couple of weeks ago, I was taking him to school, and he said, "Dad, I don't think I want to go to school today." And uh, I said, "Well, son, we're we're going to school, but tell me why you don't want to go to school." Well, Miss Christie says, Miss Christie's his teacher. Miss Christie says that I know all of my numbers, I know all of my colors, I know all of my shapes, and I know all my letters. And I said, "Well, that's that's great, man." And he said, so, I don't know. That's what he said. He said, I don't know. I don't think I need to go. <laughs> and I said, Braden, let me make this straight. You think that you don't need to go to school anymore because you know all of your numbers, all of your colors, all of your shapes, and all your letters. Is that right? Yep. That's what he says. <laughs> yep. Um, and I had to kind of chuckle, but it got me kind of got me thinking, you know, sometimes we're just, we're just like that, aren't we? We're just like that. Uh, hey, I, I pretty much got this because I, you know, I got all my shapes, all my numbers, all my colors, all my letters. I got this. I got this figured out. Look at Luke chapter 9, verse 23. This is Jesus talking. It says, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Forever, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself, or your translation may say his soul? You know, we live in a culture of instant gratification. Everything is instant, right? Instant coffee, instant oatmeal, Instagram, Right? Like, everything is instant. Everything's immediate. We don't have to wait on hardly anything. If you're in a conversation and you're talking about uh, uh, maybe a favorite band or a sports team or a piece of information that you don't know, like, it's sometimes like, you know, if if there's a disagreement, uh, there's... Sometimes it's a race to see who can, who can Google it the fastest, right? What do you do? You just hop on your phone and you're going to, right there, Wikipedia, you just look it up, right? If you're at your computer and you don't know, you're at homework or something, you just... Bam, Google it, find it, and you used to have to, you know, go to the library, look at an encyclopedia, right, or go and actually crack open a, 
some kind of a book or something. Like you used to have to, used to information used to be a, a, a ways away. Communication, right? You used to have to sit down and, and, and write, not even that long ago, you had to sit down on a computer and write an email. Before that, you had to sit down and you had to handwrite a note or a letter. But now, right, it's just everything that's on our phone or, 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 or our iPad or whatever. We just, man, we can communicate with people all across the globe. It's really, it's really cool. But it's, it's made our culture uh, is, is, is everything is, is instant. You don't really probably realize this, but um, you know there, there's uh, several studies have been done by different like the TV stations, and I know a lot of you don't watch TV anymore because you go directly to um, you know different content, whether it's Netflix or, or websites, or whatever. But programmers, you know, in a 30-minute time frame, uh, MTV usually only has about 16 minutes of programming in a 30-minute time frame. The other 15. Uh, 14 or 15 minutes is is advertisements, right? And in that 60, so everything's, if you think about 16 minutes and there's, so it's only like, you're watching two to three to four minutes of programming at a time. And even within that, everything's cut up real quick, right? Everything's always quick because because we our attention span, we've kind of been trained uh, not to focus on things for very long. There's even a movement that's kind of coming. It's probably not going to, it's not going to permeate down to um, to, for, for you when you're in schools, but the next kind of wave of educational learning environments and things that they're studying and they're trying is, is class times, you know, that are still an hour to an hour and 20 minutes long, but that have uh, like walking breaks every 15 minutes or so where the, where, where, where the whole class will go and kind of walk or they'll get up, they'll do an activity every, every eight to 15 minutes within a, a single block class because uh, they, they, they see, they're seeing that in adolescence especially, our attention span uh, is, is becoming shorter and shorter right? because everything changes. Everything's instant. Everything's happening very fast. And so <clears throat> um, that presents a problem for, uh, for us sometimes in a culture of instant gratification, instant change, instant information, uh, instant communication, in a culture that values instant things in an instantaneous manner. Uh, when, we, when we look at ourselves against the, the backdrop or the shadow of what the Christian life looks like in the Bible, we see something very different. We see that in Scripture and, and in our own sanctification, which is a fancy word, which means in, in the process of us becoming more and more like Jesus, that hardly, hardly ever does it happen in an instant, in a moment. There's almost nothing about theology, and there's almost nothing about our relationship with the Lord that's that's immediate, that's instantaneous. In fact, it's just the opposite. What we see is this overwhelming kind of body of evidence throughout the New Testament and throughout the Old Testament in the people of Israel and the people of God and also in the New Testament, the life of the New Testament believer in that change in things happen uh, and are implemented very slowly. Now, there's some, there are some things that happen very, very quickly and very instantaneously. You cross over from death to life. The moment that you become a Christian, you cross over in an instant, right? From, 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 from death to to a, a new life. You become a believer in a, in a moment. Okay, that's something that happens very well. And, and you, conviction of sin is something that can come upon you very quickly. The conviction of the Holy Spirit can come upon you very quickly, and you can be convicted of something. There's one, it's one thing to be convicted of sin and, and for the, that change to, to, to fully permeate and fully kind of manifest itself in your, in your lifestyle can, can take a lot longer. Okay? Um, so the process of becoming more and more like Jesus, which is what we're talking about tonight, is a process of something, number one, you've got to understand, you've got to be committed to something for the long haul. Look at the text and look what Jesus says. It says, if anyone would come after me, first let him deny himself. You have to realize that you're going to have to deny, there's some things that are going to have to be, um, that, that you're going to have to set aside some, some, some 
desire some things that innately you, you would like to do and would want to do that you're going to have to deny so that you can follow Jesus. You have to deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And he doesn't really specify a certain amount of time. The, the, if you like to look at it in the original language, it really implies that you're going to do this forever. For as long as you live, this is something you're going to have to do every single day. And it, there are some areas in life, it's going to be a battle every single day. That every single day, you're going to have to get up and make a decision. I'm not going to gratify the flesh. I'm going to walk after Jesus. And I'm going to take up a, a, a cross, not necessarily a physical office, but I'm going to, I'm going to take on uh, an added burden, this added burden of not gratifying the flesh. I'm going to look towards Jesus, and I'm going to walk after Jesus. And you have to realize, it's a process, man. It's a process. Some of you, let me just encourage you for a moment, okay? Some of you, <clears throat> um, some of you are trying uh, and feel the pressure to, be, to, to have the maturity of a 50-year-old Christian in a 15-year-old's body. Let me just can, I just, can I just help you? Can I encourage you for a minute? Hey, relax. It's okay. You, you, relax. It's okay. Just, just relax for a moment. Stop beating yourself up over, over, over things that you don't need to beat yourself up over. It's okay to strive to want to be like Jesus. It's okay to want to pursue holiness. All those things are great. But don't expect yourself to instantly mature to the place where maybe your parents or your grandparents or a mentor, don't, don't, ex, don't expect yourself to instantaneously transform from a 15 or 16-year-old uh, believer who's trying to work through uh, a body of, of emotion and changing hormones and, and a really difficult and challenging worldview. Don't, don't in, in cultural context, don't expect yourself to, to instantly transform from a 15-year-old to a 50-year-old overnight. Understand that spiritual maturity is a process. Okay, here's the big idea for tonight, okay? <clears throat> following Christ, right? following Christ is a pursuit worthy of our greatest effort, but it is a lifelong pursuit. Following Christ is a lifelong pursuit worthy of our greatest effort. If you're taking notes or writing things down in your phone or maybe on a notepad, that's something I encourage you to write down. Following Christ is a lifelong pursuit worthy of our greatest effort. Okay. And here's why. Okay. Here's why. There was a time, I think there was a time in American Christianity and American culture where you could kind of get fire insurance and the culture, and when I say fire insurance, you kind of get saved, you know, like you're not going to hell and now you're going to heaven and you could just kind of stop growing and you could culturally kind of fit in. Because culturally in America, American was, by and large, it was a Judeo-Christian culture and a country. Up until about 1950, this was the case in America, right? Ten Commandments in schools, prayer before class. You, I mean, like, it, culturally, it was a Christian nation. You have to realize now that you're not living in a culturally Christian nation anymore. You're not. You're not. Um, you're not living in... You, now, to collectively, we live in a culturally Christian bubble, okay? In Cleveland, Tennessee, there's still a kind of a protected residue of cultural Christianity that kind of permeates everything. And so, like, we, there's prayer before, you know, football games, and there's prayer that's allowed in different, in different avenues of your school, and schools are very open to, and, and praise God that they are very open to, um, you know, the pastor of, of student pastors and, and uh, the presence of student pastors and, and Christian clubs, and, and you could do a lot of things that other schools and people, in, even within the state of Tennessee, don't get a chance to do. But this is a protected bubble. 
This is a protected bubble. In, in, in just a couple of weeks, we'll take about 50 students to New York where, where uh, many of them, they won't, they'll talk to hundreds of people, sometimes thousands of people all day, and they won't meet another believer. They won't meet another believer. Okay. Some of the largest, one of the largest Baptist churches in New York City runs about 400 people on Sunday morning in Manhattan. 400 people. Okay. We have 400 students on our campus sometimes on Sunday mornings. Right? And, and so... You, so it's, the, the cultural dynamic is changing, okay? And it's becoming increasingly sophisticated and increasingly anti-Christian. The culture, the, the culture that you live in and the culture that will exist when you emerge into the workforce and into adulthood and into parenthood and that you're going to raise your kids in, okay, without, without the mighty work of God, without a cultural renewal and a revival taking place within the churches, it's going, to be, it's going to be a post-Christian. I'm not trying to depress you. I'm trying to prepare you. It's going to be a post-Christian environment. Okay? God is not going to be assumed uh, to, to even be a, a realistic worldview, a, a, a monotheistic kind of, um, the, the worldview that you've kind of grown up around, if you've grown up like in this church or in a similar church, it's not going to be the predominant worldview. And, and you can already see that taking place and even right now. And so, Part of what we want to prepare you for is this idea that, um, you know, uh, this kind of popcorn Christianity, right, where you just learn a couple of phrases, and you kind of learn a couple of, like, pithy responses to different cultural issues, and you just kind of learn a couple of, of things, and you just kind of skate by on just kind of a wanna answer. You just kind of generally pick up the, you know, just some spot knowledge here and there, and you can just kind of answer the right questions in Sunday school, and, and, and be fine. That kind of knowledge and that kind of intimacy with Jesus isn't going to get you anywhere in the cultural context. In fact, it's going, to, it's going to relegate you to the sidelines. You're going to have to step up your game in a big way in order to be able to, to have your ideas and have your viewpoint taken seriously in the, in the marketplace of ideas that you're going to emerge into in the 21st century. That's just the reality of where our nation's headed. And it's actually a good thing. It's actually a really, really, really good thing. But here's what it's going to take. It's going to take a daily pursuit for the rest of your life. Okay? It's going to take a daily pursuit for the rest of your life to become more and more like Jesus. Let me just give you a couple of, um, a, a, a couple of, uh, of just, these are like modern day just things that are, are um, taking place around you right now. Okay? Uh, the whole issue of, there's, there's, um, <clears throat> there's a new directive that, that came out around the first of the year um, by the U.S. Armed Forces and Department of Defense that basically, um, basically allows females okay, to, play, um, to, to play any role in the U.S. Armed Forces. Uh, it basically says there's, there's, that women can be involved not only not in combat now, but on the very front lines of combat, and there's, there's really no role that, that females can't, um, that can't play in the theater of operations. Okay. Now, some of you might be sitting here, and you're like, getting like, you're like inner Margaret Singer. You're like, yes, that's right, man. That's girl power. Um, okay. Guess what? There's actually some really strong theological reasons um, why that may not necessarily be the best thing. Okay. There's a pretty compelling case. Well, but maybe. But here's the thing: if you're gonna be able, to, if you're gonna, if you're gonna enter into that discussion, and some of you guys are like, oh, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Well, guess what? If if you, the only thing you can come up with is that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, nobody's really gonna listen to your to your argument right? There's no listen to your argument. There's a huge debate going on all in almost every single state at some point in legislature about what the definition of marriage is, 
right? What, the de- what is the definition of, of marriage? And, and, and marriage is being redefined now in some seven or eight or maybe nine states now that either through the courts or through a legislative process, marriage has been redefined to, to exclude simply the definition of one man and one woman and, and now can mean a multitude of different things depending on what state you live in. Guess what? That's a, that's a, that's a huge issue that it's going to affect not only just the people that are applying for marriage outside, but it's going to affect every single person. It's going to affect your kids. Okay? It's going to affect the way that you raise your kids. It's going to affect the way that you, you conduct your business. It's going to affect the way that you, even your education is going to affect your ability to get into different education programs and different scholarships. And it's going to affect you in a, in, a, in a thousand different ways. And you've got to be in tune. You've got to know. You've got to be able to understand. Those are just two, two issues out of a multitude that are taking place in the marketplace of ideas around you, that if you don't pursue Christ daily, okay, you're not going to be able to understand and interpret uh, and, and, and bring a voice to that discussion. Following Christ is a pursuit worthy of our greatest effort. <clears throat> he says that <clears throat> in verse 24, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What does it, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world or loses or forfeits himself. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. The gospel is a free gift. Okay? The gospel is a free gift. But discipleship, following Jesus, it's costly. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost. It's going to cost you an opportunity cost. You're going to have to give up other opportunities in order to take in, in order to, to follow Jesus. And it's going to hurt sometimes, right? It's going to be difficult sometimes. You have to take up your cross daily, it says, and follow after him. Surrendering to Jesus. That's easy. Surrendering to Jesus is easy. When we're broken, it's easy to surrender to him. To obey Jesus, that's hard, isn't it? Right? It's easy to surrender, but it's hard to obey. It's easy to surrender, but it's hard to obey. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6-7 says, Therefore, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, therefore, continue to grow in him. Continue to be rooted and established in Jesus. Right? It would to continue. It's a lifelong pursuit every single day to be further rooted and further grounded in Jesus and who he is. I, I don't have any idea where we're at in time because normally I have the time right here. Somebody tell me, where, where are we at time-wise? What time is it? 8.29. Okay, good deal because we're almost done. All right. <clears throat> if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow Jesus. Let me just ask you a couple questions. Right? And you don't have to answer them, they're just kind of for your own reflection. Uh, what are you doing daily to take up your cross and follow Jesus? Are you, are, you as committed, are you as committed to following Christ as you are anything else in your life? Is there anything else in your life, in your world, that you're more committed to than following Jesus? It may be an artistic pursuit, an instrument, or dance or vocal or some kind of artistic pursuit, maybe some kind of athletic pursuit, a sport, volleyball, football, basketball, cheerleading, dance, maybe academics. You spend more time and more energy and more thought and more reflection on, on planning academic goals and maybe a relationship. Is there anything that's sitting, is there anything that you pursue more and more intently and more passionately than you do your relationship with Christ? Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Is your relationship with Christ, is it even in the conversation? Are you becoming a professional Christian? 
Are you somebody who's walking with Jesus daily? That's what, that's what a professional Christian is, right? It's somebody who's, who's striving to become better. Now, I know, I know most of you that play different sports, you're probably not going to become professionals in the sense, but don't you kind of treat it like that sometimes? I mean, don't you kind of orient your week around workouts and, 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 and you know, optional uh, practices? And, and those of you that are, are you know, uh, many of you got, don't just get done with plays and all, all that kind of stuff, like, or your business or your job or whatever it is, don't you kind of orient yourself towards becoming a, a professional in the sense that you want to be the very best at it that you can be? Well, why not your relationship with Jesus? For many of us, why does Jesus get the leftovers after we, after we pursue the athletic events and the artistic accomplishments and the academics and the relationships? Why do we give Jesus what's left over? Why does he get seven minutes at 11, you know, after 11 o'clock when you're getting into bed just to kind of maybe read a couple of scriptures and, and pray and be done? What makes you think that's, that's what's going to carry you through on a lifelong pursuit? How much of Jesus are you really going to know if that's what you're going to give him? Isn't Christ, I mean, isn't Jesus worthy of our greatest pursuit and our greatest effort? Shouldn't knowing Christ, man, shouldn't it, shouldn't it be the, the one thing? If we orient our lives around anything at all, shouldn't it be that? Shouldn't it be the, the, the one thing? Three things. Three things I want to encourage you to do. After you've decided, hey, I want to, I, I, I'm willing to make following Jesus a lifelong pursuit. That, that, that gets my very best. That gets my very best. Three things you can do. Number one, read. Number one, read. Read the scriptures. Read books that matter. Read about ideas and people that do incredible things for the kingdom. Okay? I recently um, went up to check on our uh, New York trip. It's a couple, year, couple weeks ago, and David Hicks preached for me, and I was, I was out of town because I had to be there on a Wednesday. And... Um, and uh, I, so I, we, when we, we fly, the church, the church pays for, for, um, for us to go up. And I went with Jim Burleson and, and um, Brian, and the three of us went up. And we, we worked like 18 hours a day. We were up there for like two days. Uh, but the church pays for our plane ticket. And so we, we fly in coach. Uh, and we try to buy our tickets through the cheapest way possible. And if there was something cheaper than coach, we would fly in that. Um, but we, so we fly, you know, we walk past the first class and by the time, you know, we get to board the plane, they've put in, like, luggage. They put all the first-class passengers, all the, like, business-class passengers, all the people that are, like, you know, more important than us and coach, and then we get to board the plane. Like, we're the very last people that they have room on the plane. We, we get on the plane. And so we're walk, I'm walking past first class, uh, and, I, and I noticed something. I, it was, like, three flights in, like, 30 hours, something like that. And I... And I and I walked past, and I realized that there's nobody in first class. These guys that were um, flying first, they're, none of them, like, they're all, like, bits, all, obviously, like, very business-minded guys. You know, they, they uh, n- none of them were, uh, like, playing Angry Birds, right? None of them were, like, flipping through Entertainment Weekly. Uh, none of them were, <clears throat> I didn't see any of them reading, like, uh, you know, Twilight, or I'm not, like, I'm not dogging Twilight, but, like, they, they they were, they were doing things, right? They were, they were being productive. They were working on, like, laptops, just, like, making money, just sitting there, just, right, just making money. Or, like, they're on cell phones, and they're, like, talking deals and, you know, making trades and negotiating stuff. They're reading books, like, that, you know, big books with, about people and ideas. And, and, 
they, they, were, they were focused, right? They were focused. And as you move through, like, you get to see the people, and, like, they're in coach, right? And they're, like, they're like the people that are taking pictures with their iPad, you know, of, like, everything, right? Like, taking pictures of, like, you ever seen somebody take a picture with an iPad? It's just kind of weird when you do it. But, like, taking pictures of their iPad, and they're, like, crossword, and all that stuff. And all that stuff's fine, and it's making them right. But, man, they're professionals about everything they were doing. On the way back from New York, I got to sit, like, right on the edge of coach. Like, I could see it, and I could, like, hear their conversations. It was fascinating to me. Fascinating. It's like a totally different. I'm like, like two little peanuts, right? And like, like a little half glass full of Sprite. And they're like baked chicken and all this stuff. But they're, they're talking about ideas. They're talking about how to solve problems that affected people. And they're reading books about ideas and people. And so, so read. read. Read books that help you, that challenge you to, to study the scriptures better. Read books that, about people that. that advance the kingdom and, and read books about uh, cultural things that are happening around you culturally and how to, how, to, how to understand what's happening around you. Uh, read. The second thing is lead. Become, become somebody who's influencing somebody else. Find a place to serve and lead right here in, in our church. Find a place, find something that you can do in, in the, the Christ, whatever Christian club that you go to in your school and impact people in your school tomorrow. Like, become somebody that people are counting on to, to do something and, and lead. And the last one is climb mountains. Realize that, that important things happen on the mountaintops, right? There's, there's mountaintop events in our life where, where we get near to God and we, and we get away from all the distraction. Take every opportunity you can to climb mountains, Take every time opportunity. Every, don't don't let an opportunity go by. If you have an opportunity, um, if you have an opportunity to, to, to be in a Bible study, then, then be in a Bible. You have an opportunity to be discipled by somebody. Uh, and we've offered, man, we've offered several times. We've got college students and young professionals that are willing to meet with you at any time that's convenient with you and help you study the Word, help you learn how to pray, help you learn how to fast, help you develop spiritual disciplines. Take advantage of that. Take advantage of that. We're getting ready to kick off camp promotion. It's going to start on Easter Sunday. Take advantage of camp. When you had the opportunity to, to, to be involved in, in mission trips and, and retreats and, and things, take advantage of opportunities that, that, where you can climb mountains and get to hear from God in a special way. Because you only get to do it once. You only get one opportunity. Take advantage. Climb mountains. Don't spend big time money on small time pursuits if you're not willing to spend big time money on kingdom pursuits. Don't spend big time money on small time pursuits if you're not willing to spend big time money on kingdom pursuits. I know my shapes. I know my colors. I know my numbers. I know my letters. There's more to it than that, isn't there? There's more to it than that. Sometimes I wonder if we kind of sound to God like my son sounded to me. I know Jesus loves me. I know I asked him in my heart. I know he saved me. I know I need to read the Bible. I'm good. I wonder if there's not a little more to it than that. Father in heaven, God, I thank you for this time. And Lord, as we sing, I pray, God, that we uh, would be moved to respond uh, and to see your son, Jesus, as a lifelong pursuit. God, I pray that we would 
we would see becoming more and more like Jesus as a lifelong pursuit that's worthy of our greatest effort. So God, I pray that we would survey our life and our ambitions and the things that compete for our time and our resources and our energies. And God, I pray that we would be convicted to read things that are going to challenge and stretch us. God, I pray that we'd look for opportunities to, to lead in different areas in, in, within our church and within our school, within our families. God, I pray that we'd be convicted to climb mountains. We'd take advantage of every opportunity that we'd lay hold to the greatness of God and that we'd pursue things that challenge us spiritually. God, help us to abandon anything and everything that doesn't resemble the ultimate pursuit of becoming more like you. We ask all this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ.